Hello, Stevens Point. Welcome back to Retrospective Aruni, a Live and Maddie podcast hosted by myself, Amanda Shake, self-proclaimed Live and Maddie superfan, expert, etc. We don't have a Twilight Hub this week. No, this week in Live and Maddie history, nothing of note, no birthdays, no episode anniversaries or anything like that. So let's just jump right in to our episode today. So this episode is called Feminism Aruni. And this is an idea I've had for a little while because I have always thought, I don't know if this was intentional or not. It's interesting to think about maybe whether or not it was, but I always felt like each season had a standout feminism episode where that was kind of its focus. And it's kind of like how we've talked about like the chaos episode, each season has its certain one. And I feel like that was that was the case here. Again, was it intentional or not? It's hard to say each one kind of had a different message from the other, but all kind of tying back into feminism. We are going to talk about what the individual messages were and how they differ from each other. Kind of like the season's funniest and the Christmas episode discussions that we've had. This isn't so much of a ranking as it is just a discussion. There are some times like with season finales that I have a definite ranking and that's what I'm talking about here. It's just more, I, I more just wanted to discuss each episode in the season and how they compare to one another. And maybe at the end of recording this, I will have a definitive ranking. Uh, but I think they each have their own strengths, mainly because they are trying to tell different messages. I would say, though, we're going to get into which, what episodes of each season are the ones that I'm talking about. Uh, spoiler alert for season two. I mean, you could probably already guess this, but that is Ray to Rooney. And I would argue that that's the one that stands out the most to me, and we will get into why. Uh, so kind of like, kind of like the Halloween episodes where like Helga was definitely my favorite, but from there, I didn't really have a specific ranking. That's kind of what I'd say for here is that I would say Raid is my favorite. The others, um, I don't know. We'll think about it as we go. So let's dive right in. One thing I'd like to say just in general before we get into the individual episodes is that obviously I think all of these were super well done. I think they were very smartly executed. And I don't think the messages were too forced or in your face because it, it, it can be hard tackling more important issues, especially in a in a children's show, because you don't want to shy away from these issues and you don't want it to be so subtle that people don't pick up on certain things. But also if it's too forced in your face, it won't feel genuine and it almost will have the opposite effect is what I think. And admittedly, some of these don't tackle issues as directly as some later Disney Channel shows would, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that this show came around in a transitional period where it was kind of a stepping stone and it's important. Like we need baby steps to get where we eventually want to go. We can't just get to our goal right away. So I don't think that's a reason to see shows like this and episodes like this as less important because without them, we wouldn't get to where we are now. And what I mean by that is shows like, I don't know, like Sydney to the Max is a good example. They've dealt with racism in multiple forms. They've talked about uh, black girls' hair and microaggressions and have tackled issues like Sydney having her first period and whether she wants to shave her legs or not. Like, those are issues that I feel like were a little bit more 
shied away from a few years ago. If it weren't for shows like this starting to dip their toes into like, okay, this is a little bit more serious, but we're going to start to talk about it, we wouldn't get to where we are today. So I think that this was really important. I feel like Liv and Maddie and the shows around it were kind of a bridge between eras of Disney Channel. Like, I feel like we had, uh, not to like broaden out this discussion too much, because uh, I want to stay on the subject, but I feel like we had the classic era that a lot of people refer to as, you know, the old school Disney channel that like most people my age grew up with, like Hannah Montana, Wizards of Waverly Place, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. I think a lot of people say that Good Luck Charlie was kind of the end of that era. Uh, ironically, as I probably talked about, that was the last show that I started until Dog with a Blog, which was more than two years later. Um, and that was, Good Luck Charlie premiered when I was in seventh grade. So yeah, at least for People my age, people that were in like that target demographic for shows like Hannah Montana, Good Luck Charlie was when they started to quote unquote grow out of it. Like me, not so much, but you know, that was kind of the societal expectation and norm. Uh, and then people would trash talk shows like Shake It Up and Ant Farm and Jesse and Austin and Allie. And I don't think that they were deserving of this, but that was when we were all, you know, in that high school stage where we think it's cool to hate on these things. But then you have like Liv and Maddie and Girl Meets World, Casey Undercover and shows like that. I feel like most people my age, if they knew about those shows, there was a good chance that they liked them. It was either that or they just didn't know about them because uh, I feel like we go from enjoying these shows as kids hating on these shows as like cranky teenagers and then just like being college age and being, you know, what's what's the point of hating on something if it's not targeted at us anyway? Uh, but then there are sometimes people like me who actually like these shows. And then we're in an even more different era now that I don't really know how to define. Like you have Andy Mack, which had a really sizable fandom and a lot of people in the fandom were my age or high school, college age. We may be entering an era that has no multicam sitcoms on Disney Channel, but yeah, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. This is very broad to talk about. Uh, but my point just is that I think Liv and Maddie was an important part of a bridge between eras on the channel. I think the issues involving feminism that were addressed in the show were a big part of why that was. And as far as how they tackled it and how, like I said, I believe it was smartly executed, it was a little more subtle than some shows that we see now, but it wasn't too subtle and it wasn't too, again, too forced or in your face. I think there were some shows of that time that tried to do the same thing, but didn't quite succeed. Uh, for example, Girl Meets World, which as you guys know, I love a lot. It's one of my favorite shows right up there with Liv and Maddie, and I was super into it when it was on. When that and Liv and Maddie was on, those were my two faves. But I feel like that show oftentimes would try to do something serious. It would always be on the right path. Sometimes it would succeed and sometimes it would not. Like there was a quote unquote feminism episode of Girl Meets World called Girl Meets STEM. And it was kind of trying to show that girls can be in STEM and science uh, as well. And, and they shouldn't be looked down upon just because they're girls. But I feel like they didn't quite hit the nail on the head. Like Riley and Maya were kind of pressuring their friends to be interested in STEM and those sorts of subjects, even if they were interested in other things. And I don't think that's really the right message to be sending. The message should be, you can be into whatever you want and that can be STEM, but you shouldn't feel obligated to just to make a point. So I feel like that was a little bit misguided. And just talking about other shows like from that era, addressing more serious things. Sometimes they would address them 
in a mocking sort of way, which of course is never good. Uh, some people know of the infamous eating disorder joke in a Shake It Up episode where a girl said to Rocky and Cece, oh, I would just eat you up. Well, if I ate, and I believe that was cut out. And I believe that was because Demi Lovato commented on it and was saying that it was offensive. I Didn't Do It had a joke about panic attacks. I think Garrett said, oh, he's having a panic attack, I'm assuming. And then there was a laugh track. So yeah, there were some, and, and I hate to spread negativity about these shows because as you all know, I, I love a lot of other shows in addition to Liv and Maddie from these eras, but there were some mistakes that they made. And I, I think those are important to address. And I, I think it's important to note that Liv and Maddie tackled similar issues, but actually addressed them in a smart and respectful and inspiring way. So let's start off with season one. Here's something interesting about this. The episode that we're gonna be talking about is Brain Rooney. And I have always looked back on this as the, again, quote unquote, feminism episode, feminist episode, whatever you wanna call it, of season one. And fun fact, I try more often than not, I try not to rewatch episodes prior to recording my podcast. And I know that sounds like the opposite of what I should do. But I I want this podcast to be pulling from my, like, inherent knowledge and memory of the show. I feel like anyone can discuss something if they just watched it. Um, I mean, maybe not to the same extent they could if they've watched it several times or, you know, if they like it more versus they just watched it and they don't really care about it. Um, but, I, yeah, I think to... To some degree, someone can talk about something if they just watch it, even if they're not super familiar with it. So I, I find it important to me to be drawing from my memory. And this is almost, it's almost kind of an exercise for me to see how much I can remember and draw from these feelings that I've already had and memories that I've already had. So yeah, I actually do try to avoid that. But sometimes if my memory is foggy on something or if I need to pick up on specific things, like when Katie and I did our fashion episode, that had to be very specific. We had to look at specific outfits and things like that. So that definitely warranted research. Um, but in this case, I did go back and watch the live segment of Brain Rooney just before I started recording this because that is a season one episode and my memory on it was a little bit foggy. I remember it actually, I don't, I feel like I might've already talked about this on the show, but they used to rerun it all the time. I could have sworn like when we were still in season one, anytime I'd turn on Disney Channel and Liv and Maddie was on, it would be Brain Rooney. I don't know if that was just coincidence. Like I, I feel like Sometimes we just find ourselves like every time I turn on the TV, this show is on, but it's just because you turn on the TV at the same time. I don't know, but we're going to circle back to that because I, I have a point I want to make as far as that. But again, that was during season one. And I feel like over the last few years, I haven't rewatched this episode as much. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that my memory on it was I had accurate memories and wasn't remembering things incorrectly. And what was interesting is I'm realizing to sum up what the plot, I guess, or the, at least the feminism plot, there are a couple different plots going on in this episode, of course, is that Liv wants to enter the Brain Olympics with Joey and Artie, but Joey doesn't think she's smart enough. And again, I, I've always thought of this as the feminism episode of season one. But the truth is, it's never addressed that he feels this way because she's a girl. So you may ask, like, do I no longer count it as the feminism episode now that I remember that? And I feel like to an extent it does still count because I feel like that's kind of implied. That's kind of an example of something being tackled subtly while not directly addressing it. And th there are some more examples of that in episodes to come that we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, I feel like one could assume that 
that's why Joey thinks that because I don't think Liv proved herself in the episodes prior to be a dumb character. Uh, I think Joey was kind of quick to assume that. And yeah, I think it was inherent biases towards girls and towards the stereotype of dumb blonde. Uh, So on that note, uh, like I said, I want to talk about the message of each of these episodes and how they're all arguably tied to feminism, but in different ways. So in this one, I, I believe that the message is that girls can be just as smart as boys, even if they're dumb blondes. And to elaborate on that, and even more reason as to why I argue that this is a feminism episode, and I've probably talked about this before, is that when I interviewed Ron for my school paper about four years ago, when I interviewed him for an independent study, uh, we talked about that episode, and, and I, I was asking specifically about the character development of Liv and how much I admired that and how I love how much she grew over the seasons. And he said that this episode was kind of a company mandate to improve upon the perception of Liv's character because people were starting to get that she was falling into the dumb blonde stereotype and that would lead her to be a bad inspiration for little girls. Like this character that they're looking up to is kind of this superficial actress, not that smart, only really cares about fashion and stuff. So uh, they wanted to change that. And it's it's funny to think that that was once what people thought of Liv because again, her character development and her growth is so amazing. Maybe audiences wished that they had done that sooner and wish that off the bat that Liv was not the dumb blonde stereotype that they saw her to be. But I almost think it was better that she started to grow out of that more and more. I think it's even better to see a character develop rather than than them be grown and great and learned everything from the start. To watch them grow and develop over the seasons, I think, is a much more fulfilling experience watching a show. And it makes sense for her character. I mean, having just come back from Hollywood, she's kind of relearning how to be in Wisconsin and how to go to public school. I I assume she did not go to public school in California. I don't think that's ever been addressed specifically. But uh, yeah, it it makes sense that earlier on she was a bit more of a superficial, uh, again, focused on fashion sort of character. And then as the seasons go on, she focuses more on her friends and her family and causes that she cares about. So um, yeah, just another reason why I love Liv's character development. So circling back to the fact that I used to see this episode on all the time, maybe that wasn't just a coincidence. Maybe Disney intentionally reran this a lot in season one so people would see this episode specifically and get the right impression about Liv. Because, you know, someone very well could see all the other episodes except this, but if they aired a lot, odds are they will see this episode and they will see what they're trying to do. To dive a little bit deeper into the message of this episode, the project that they end up having to do at the Brain Olympics involves art. And Joey's a bit disappointed because he's like, I got into this to do science, not art. But Liv is really excited because art and painting is more her style. Uh, So I think that is a message in and of itself that some things that you wouldn't think would require scientific skill actually do, like art. Like some people... Some people will look down on the arts and literal art, like 
painting and but also like singing performing and think you know oh that's just for fun that's frivolous stuff it doesn't actually require any skill but the truth is it does and i think that this is a great example showing that another message that i discovered just upon analyzing this episode further is that it's a message that actually is very important to me personally because i feel like i've had experience uh having to deal with this issue and i, I appreciate when this message is being told in tv shows is that Everyone has their own skill set. Like, I may be better at something than you, and you may be better at something than me, but no one should assume that they are better at everything than someone else. Like, people have their specialties. And again, it's shown here that, like, Joey's specialty is science, Liv's is art, and they are able to win this competition because they work together. Joey even says, like I said, oh, you know, I got into this to do science, not art, but he still assumes that he doesn't need Liv's help and that he can build the machine on his own and still win. And that's just because he's on his high horse and assuming that he's just the best at everything. And maybe part of the reason he's assuming that when it comes to Liv is because she's a girl that well, because I'm a guy, I have to be better at everything than a girl is. And again, that isn't addressed, but I think that those are just the kind of biases we kind of grow up learning, whether we're consciously aware of it or not. And I think, I think we're moving into a better time as far as that is concerned. I think the messages of feminism are starting to be, again, employed in our media even more strongly. And I, I think that's great. But yeah, unfortunately, some of these things that just seem that we look, when we look at them more deeply, we realize, wow, that's really not okay. It was just the norm before, before we decided to take a, a closer look at it, which is really fascinating. So even if this episode did tackle this situation a little bit more subtly, it was a really important episode because again of the impact that it had on Liv's character. And I'm pretty sure when I was talking about this episode with Ron, I said, I wouldn't have known that this was like a company mandate. Like it does show a turning point in Liv's character, but it isn't like painfully obvious. Like you watch it like, oh, clearly their focus groups told them to do this or like this episode doesn't fit in with the rest at all. I did not feel that way at all. I, I would not have picked up on that had he not told me that. So it's, it's also just a great example of how this crew was able to very seamlessly incorporate the feedback that they were getting from their audiences into the show. Uh, seamless being the keyword. Not only doing it, but doing it in a way that worked and kept the entire show flowing well together. So the next one is the big one. This is season two. This is the one that I have already referred to. This is Raid Rooney. Uh, we've already talked about this episode pretty sure a good deal. Uh, but just to recap, as far as what the feminism involving plot is about in this episode, of course, Todd Stetson and his jerk Jerkdraj, as they are referred to, are rating the girls at Ridgewood High based on their looks on a scale of one to 10 and Liv Maddie and their friends want to fight back. As far as the message of this episode, Liv puts it very well, saying something along the lines of, you don't have to fit someone else's idea of what a girl is supposed to be. But that's not the only message here. The other message is also, uh, Liv says something like, we can't change Todd Setson's mind, but we can change how we feel about ourselves. I think that second one is especially important and they, they're especially important together, but I think adding that 
in there was really important, and I'm going to circle back to that in a little bit. But first, uh, I've already talked about this, I'm fully aware, but uh, I would just like to point out that this was very similar to an actual situation that happened to me in high school. I'm pretty sure I was a senior in high school, and there was a bracket going around. I, I honestly, I was not on Facebook until college, uh, and I joined Facebook solely because I needed it for college. I pretty much just use it for the podcast now. Uh, I'm not that into, I try to limit like my social media accounts and whatever, uh, but enough about me. Uh, so yeah, I did not have Facebook in high school, so I'm pretty sure that's where this is going on. I don't think I ever actually saw it firsthand. I just heard talk about it, that there was a bracket going around of who the hottest girls at my high school were. And to my knowledge, I wasn't even on it, um, but that, you know, that affects you too. You're, you're affected by where your ranking is if you're on it. And if you're not on it, then that means like they don't even know who you are or you're you're not qualified enough to be on that bracket. So yeah, like pretty much everyone was affected by that. And I very vividly remember getting on my computer before school, having breakfast and seeing the promo for this episode. And immediately I thought, oh my God, like this just happened to me like a few months ago because <laughs> this premiered while I was a senior in high school. I think it, I think it was a couple months after that had happened. So it's amazing that it tackled that very specific situation. And it sounds disgusting. Like if you haven't actually been through it, you may look at it and think like, wow, like are guys actually this like awful? Or is this just like something that happens on Disney Channel? But like I can say from firsthand experience that unfortunately these things really do happen. And in our next episode, which uh, as usual, I will be teasing to you at the end of this episode, I talked to uh, some people who may have worked on this episode and they talked about how the being rated on a scale from one to 10 was based on something that actually happened to them, which sad, but true. That really hit close to home. And I was just so glad that they were addressing something like this because in my case, like I didn't grow up seeing anything quite like that. Like there were, you know, it's not to say there weren't some messages of feminism and such in the shows that I grew up on. But like I said, I think that they have started to increase over time. And I certainly didn't have an episode like this prior to experiencing it myself in high school. And you know, like the target audience of these shows are people that are kids, they're often a lot younger than the characters in the show. So yeah, imagine had I seen this episode in elementary school and then encountered a similar situation when I got to high school, maybe I would have been more emotionally prepared for it. And I'm I'm glad that that will hopefully be the case for the kids that did grow up watching Liv and Maddie. I mean, let's hope that that sort of thing doesn't happen to them in high school. But if it does, they would have learned this when they were younger, when they were in their formative years. As we've talked about before, this episode was nominated for a Humanitas Award. And I think a lot of people often regard it as the most powerful episode of the show. And I think it, it just got the show a lot more traction. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, I remember seeing posts about it on Tumblr with far more notes than I'd ever see on any other Live and Maddie related post and reblogged by people I followed and people who followed me that didn't even watch the show or were like only vaguely familiar with it. Like this episode kind of put the show on the map. And for someone who was already, you know, deep into the show, I was so happy seeing that people were starting to learn what it was and learn what a gem it was because this episode really put them out there and really pulled out the, all the stops. It's a special episode for that for me. Uh, of course, 
one of the most important aspects of this episode is the song, is what a girl is, is what Liv ultimately does to help inspire the girls at Ridgewood and the girls, the girls around the world to just be who they are and decide who they are by themselves and not let anyone else tell them who they are. So going back to that second message I talked about, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this before, and I'm pretty sure I also talk about it on our next episode, is that I really appreciate that they didn't have Todd Stetson changing his mind. I'm glad that they didn't actually show them proving Todd Stetson wrong, because I think that's a really important and realistic message. Because naturally, Disney Channel shows are going to have happy endings. And quite honestly, that's the way I want them to be. But I think I think a piece of media is especially strong when it can both be realistic and have a happy ending at the same time. Like it, it doesn't have to sugarcoat something. It can address the way things actually are, but still wrap up in a satisfying, more or less happy way. I think that's, it's not always easy to do, but I think that's especially strong. So they just as easily in this episode could have gone with them, you know, dressing up in the trash bags as they do and telling Todd Stetson, we're all tens, but if you can't see that, we'll all be ones. And he could just say like, wow, I'm really touched that you did that. You're right. I take back what I said. I was wrong. You've inspired me to be a better guy. But they didn't do that because unfortunately, most of the time, that's not how it works in real life. I think it is an important lesson for kids to learn. I think this is a lesson that I'm still learning. I think it's a lesson for adults to learn is that we can't change other people. We can't change other people's minds as much as we want to. Like sometimes, like if you, I don't know, if you have a close friend and you say like, hey, blah, 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 this made me feel this way. And they're like, you know what? You're right. I didn't really see it that way. But there's no guarantee that's going to happen every time. It's it's not going to happen every time. There was going to be plenty of times that it's not going to happen. And it's a hard truth to accept, but that's why it's important to for us, for everyone, especially girls, to learn how to have that confidence in yourself where it doesn't matter what another person feels because you believe in yourself and that's more than enough. And we're getting, we're getting deep here today. We're getting like existential and stuff. This is a warm and fuzzy little therapy session for us all. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like that's something that I've talked about the, with the show before is that it could have been just like, it could have still been good and fine and enjoyable had they done less. They didn't have to go that extra mile, but they did. And I think that's what's so admirable about it is when you know that they're not doing this out of obligation, they're not just sticking to the bare minimum of what's good. They're willing to go that extra mile to do something great because it's they think it's important to do and it was totally worth it. It's hard for me to think of an exact like counterexample, but just knowing Disney Channel's track record, you know, I hate to say it because again, I don't I don't mean to speak negatively about any anything else on the channel, but that's not an ending that you would necessarily have. You might have an ending where they change the mind of the bully. So, I'm really glad that they did not do that and they address specifically we can't change his mind, but we can decide how we feel about ourselves. And you know, I don't think I really thought as deeply about this when I first saw this episode as I since have. Um, which again, just goes to show how like seamlessly it worked in it. Like it, it didn't throw me off my rhythm or anything. It just, the episode just worked and played out nicely. But upon further analysis, I'm like, wow, okay, there's some really unique things about this. So yeah, I started to realize this more, the more I've looked back at it. I feel like of the four episodes I'm talking about today, this is 
I, I was when I was writing my notes, I was struggling to find a way to put this, but like the least filtered, I feel like this address these issues the most directly rather than kind of beating around the bush being subtle. Like I said, with with Brain Rooney, I don't think it necessarily needed to be. Joey didn't need to say, like, you're a girl, so you don't know how to do this. And quite honestly, it was more about Liv's character than it was about her being a girl. So that's totally fine. I don't think they were necessarily shying away from things. But again, there can be cases in which a show, an episode, tries to address something, but doesn't exactly. Like, there are, there are movies out there where it's like, let's make this character gay. But he's not actually going to say the word gay. He's just going to be like, I'm not interested in women, wink, wink, wink. That's the sort of thing I mean. It's like being subtle and not actually tackling the problem head on. And I think that this is the episode that tackles these issues the most head on. One of the aspects of it that stands out the most to me is Willow's plot line, particularly when she said something along the lines of, when I look at magazines, I feel awful if I don't look like those girls. And then she pauses and she says, and I don't look like those girls. And to be fair, that does kind of fall in the category I was talking about. Like she doesn't say like, I'm bigger than those girls or, or I don't, or something like that. I think that was the issue they were trying to allude to of weight and how that's perceived in media. You would think that I would say like, I wish they just went out and said that. But again, this was a stepping stone to even allude to that sort of issue, I think was a big milestone and I'm happy with that. I hope that we'll, you know, move further with that. I know there have been episodes of other shows like that, so Raven and stuff that have tackled it more head on. If it's an issue that you wouldn't expect Disney Channel to tackle at all, if they do end up tackling it in some form to some degree, then I appreciate it for that. And then continuing on, she feels obligated to change her appearance, um, but she doesn't feel satisfied when she does receive the tents. I think that's really powerful. That's during the What a Girl is scene. She has her new outfit, her new hair, and she walks by the jerk trash, and they all give her higher scores than before. They give her nines and she smiles, but then her smile slowly fades away. And again, it shows that like, maybe you can, like, sometimes you can change people's minds, but like, is that going to actually fulfill you and give you what you need? What you need is to love yourself. Like, again, even if they do change their minds, say, yeah, we do like you now. That's, that's not what's important. What's important is loving yourself and being happy with the way you look. And then she does go back to dressing the way that she prefers and she gets lower scores, but she has a real smile on her face and she tears up their papers and throws them aside because what's important is that she felt confident in herself regardless of the score that they gave her. And I think that those that progression of scenes during What a Girl Is is extremely poignant and extremely powerful. Another line that has stood out to me is when Maddie says that she hates it when guys say, oh, you're really good at basketball, you know, for a girl. Like, what, is that supposed to be some sort of compliment? Like, I think that was very powerful, especially because, yeah, we Disney Channel has only had so many jock characters, jock main characters, especially that are girls. Like, the stereotype is often that the the big popular athlete is usually a guy. So Maddie was kind of defying that stereotype. And they hadn't really addressed that much before, even though that was that's obviously a huge part of her character. Uh, I'm glad that they addressed that. And just as a final little fun note, 
because y'all know, speaking of Maddie, y'all know me and my soft spot for Maddie. I think it's hilarious that Maddie drew glasses on the front of her paper bag <laughs> when they're all wearing paper bags and the trash bags because uh, they all have their names on them. But then you have Maddie with her glasses on it because, again, extra mile, going the extra mile. She didn't have to do that, but she did that just because she wanted to and because Maddie is just hilarious and great. So that's Raider Rooney. And like I said, it uh, would definitely be my favorite of these four episodes. And I do think it is the most powerful out of all of these. Next up, we've got season three with Ask Her More Rooney. So in this episode, Liv and Josh go to the Fan Pick Awards for Voltage, and Liv notices that she's being asked a lot more about her appearance than about her actual role in the show, whereas Josh is getting questions about his role in the show. And I should rewind a little bit. Before the Fan Pick Awards, she starts to notice this on a live stream that she does, and it starts to bother her. She talks about it with her mom, and her mom says that if you want that to change, then you need to change the conversation. And Liv sets out to do that at the Fan Pick Awards with help from her friend, Kristen Bell. Uh, and they are actually quite successful and the conversation starts to change and they have another live stream at the end and the questions start to change more to about Liv as a person and an actress uh, rather than just about her appearance. So I kind of just said this, but as far as what the message, what the feminism message is about this episode specifically is that girls should be asked about their work just as much as boys are and not just be asked about their appearance. Uh, and also a secondary message, kind of like what we had with the last episode, is that if you want a change like this to happen, you have to help make it happen. You can't just sit by and wait for it to happen. You have to take action. I think that message was very prominent and I think they addressed that very specifically. It wasn't just like, hey, I want this to happen, so I'm going to do something. Like Liv came to Karen and said, what do I do? And Karen said, you have to change the conversation. Uh, so yeah, it has to be, when we want these things to happen, it has to be very intentional. We have to commit to taking action and trying and going out of our way, going out of our comfort zone to make these things happen. Uh, and I, I think that was a, a, a big strong point of this episode, the fact that they addressed that very specifically. And uh, guys, can we talk about Josh Wilcox for the millionth time? <laughs> Man, uh, so when this episode aired, we'd only had a couple episodes with Josh prior to this. So we were kind of still learning about his character. Um, and I wouldn't say I was surprised by this. I was just kind of, again, I, I didn't really know what, I didn't really know what Josh was going to be like in this episode. Uh, and I remember saying this specifically when I first watched this episode that they very easily could have made Josh like a misogynistic asshole and he could have enjoyed the fact that he was getting questions about his work and just loved that. But quite the opposite. Uh, he totally understood what where Liv was coming from and supported her. And I think that that's one of the many things that I love about Josh is that, as I put it in my notes, <clears throat> Josh Wilcox drinks all the respecting women juice because he sure does. <laughs> I think it's a good thing that the character that Liv happened to be with in this situation was Josh, a, a character who would later on continue to have similar qualities of just, again, respecting women, respecting the people he's around, not being selfish, being, you know, caring about his friends and, and other people. Uh, and yeah, again, when this was one of the earlier episodes of Josh, uh, it was kind of, again, I wouldn't really call it a surprise, but it just made me happy because 
again, the boy in this situation, you wouldn't automatically assume that that's what his reaction would be. And I'm just really happy that it was. I think the fact that they had Kristen Bell in this episode was very smart because having a big guest star certainly doesn't hurt to help get people to watch this episode, an episode with an important message. It's kind of like what I was saying about Ray Rooney and how that episode kind of put the show on the map. And and sure, that episode did it without a big guest star. But if you have a big guest star, you're even more likely for people to start, you know, to watch this episode and maybe start watching the show from there. It's kind of like the, the bait on the hook. It's like, hey, do you like Kristen Bell? It's like, watch this show. People start watching the show. It's like, all right, now that we're here, now that you're listening, we're gonna tell you this important message. We brought you here, we have your attention, let's tell you something worthwhile while you're here. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was some of the intent behind having her be in this episode specifically. Uh, I think some of the scheduling and programming around this episode also had to do with putting this important episode out there. Uh, I may have talked about this before, that this episode went up online a week early. Sometimes that would just, I don't think that really happens anymore, um, but sometimes that would just randomly happen. Like a movie or an episode would just go up on, it was called Watch Disney Channel then, it was not called Disney Now yet. Uh, and sometimes I'd just like habitually check the website and there would just be like something on the front page that would say, watch this episode a week early. So that very well could have been like a marketing technique to get the episode out there even further. And you know, when the tagline is watch it a week early, like that pulls you in. Like what if, you know, you may not even be a huge fan of the show and you'll be like, oh, but because I can watch it a week early, that makes me feel cool and special. I'm gonna watch it. It's kind of like, I don't know, when something you don't really even want is on sale and has a big tag that says, this is on sale. And you're like, I wasn't gonna buy this, but now that it's on sale, I might as well. So I think that was smart. I think, you know, we gotta get people's attention and things like that work. Um, I mean, I would say it would work for me, but obviously it would work for me, hello. So yeah, my story there, if I if I haven't already told this, is that I was I was actually having a really awful day um, this was freshman year of college and I was on the phone with my best friend to just kind of cheer me up and I just happened to check that website and I saw the episode was up a week early. I'm like, can I call you back in like 22 minutes? <laughs> and I've talked about this best friend before. She totally, totally gets the fact, she's been with me through every phase, every TV show obsession that I've been through. So like, I barely even had to ask. I like, I probably could have hung up and she would have understood. <laughs> Uh, but I'm so grateful that that episode went up on the day it did because that was really what I needed. Like, as far as message-wise, it wasn't connected to what I was going through, um, but Liv and Maddie just happened to be there when I needed it, uh, and I was really grateful for that. As far as when it actually premiered, I do remember that. I think it was like a, a special like family night of premiere sort of thing. It was on a Sunday and that Sunday was still Liv and Maddie's regular night at the time. Um, but I believe it was after the premiere of The Lion Guard Return of the Roar, which was the movie that was like the pilot of The Lion Guard series. I was in LA, uh, my mom and aunt were visiting and I was staying with them at a hotel in LA for a few days, partially because um, I wanted to go to the El Capitan. This is around Thanksgiving 2015. I went to the El Capitan to see the good dinosaur and then I went home for Thanksgiving. Uh, that's kind of how we just like mapped things out. Again, I'd already seen this episode, so I didn't watch the episode when it premiered. I did watch uh, Return of the Roar though. And then I think the episode came on after. Uh, but again, very smart, like families are watching. When they do these like Disney Junior premieres on Disney Channel, uh, I think, 
you can tell that they're really trying to get like the whole family to watch. Uh, like the, the little kids, the older siblings, the parents, like they're really trying to get that whole family in there. They're trying to make it a big event and tacking this episode on again. I'm not a hundred percent. I'm almost sure it was after the movie. I remember Jessica, Jessica Marie Garcia, not my best friend, Jessica, uh, live tweeting and saying like, Oh, Lion Guard. So cute. Um, so I think I'm pretty sure that was right before the episode premiered. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of like with Kristen Mel. It's like, if you're already here, I mean, heck, like, that's what got me to watch this show in the first place, right? It premiered after Teen Beach Movie, and I was like, well, as long as I'm here, might as well watch. It's also kind of like the, you know, this is on sale. It's like, wouldn't have necessarily done this otherwise, but since I'm already here, I might as well. And Disney Channel will do that a lot, like, tack on, I think most Certainly not everyone, but a lot of DCOMs over the past number of years have premiered with a show. Like, the first Descendants premiered with Bunked. Teen Beach 2 premiered with Best Friends Whenever. Uh, Descendants 2 premiered with Raven's Home. Uh, and, of course, Teen Beach Movie premiered with, with Liv and Maddie. The big historic one was um, High School Musical 2 premiering with not only the Jonas Brothers episode of Hannah Montana, but Phineas and Ferb. And to my memory, there was no advertising for Phineas and Ferb prior to then. And I had a big premiere party for High School Musical 2, and there was, like, interstitials with the cast. And Ashley Tisdale kept saying, like, I'm on this new animated show called Phineas and Ferb. You're going to get to see the first episode afterwards. So they were really trying to reel you in, and Phineas and Ferb became a phenomenon. <laughs> Uh, of course, Phineas and Ferb became a phenomenon in its own right, but High School Musical 2 was one of the most viewed, it has some kind of record as far as like the most viewed cable TV, broadcast cable TV airings or something, something of that sort. Would Phineas and Ferb still have become a phenomenon without that? Probably to some extent, but it drew in a historically big audience because it premiered after High School Musical 2. And I even remember specifically saying to my friends, I was like, I, I wasn't really sure. I ended up loving Phineas and Ferb. Uh, but at the time, I wasn't really sure how I felt about it because I'd only seen the one episode. And I remembered uh, The Replacements premiered with That's So Sweet Life of Hannah Montana. And I didn't love that show. And, it, and I remember it didn't really end up becoming a big hit. So I remember saying like, oh, every time they premiere some animated show with a movie or like a special, like it never ends up becoming that big. I don't know if this is going to be any good. And I remember my friend Michaela saying like, I don't know. I, I really like this. I ended up really liking it. The world ended up really liking it. So... I know this sounds unrelated, but yeah, I think that can be really impactful as far as getting people to watch your show. And uh, I think it was really smart to have an episode like Ask Her More Rooney on, on the night that they aired it. So back to the story of the episode itself, kind of similar to what I was saying about Brain Rooney, about like the inherent biases that we have, even if we don't realize we have. I feel like that's present here as well. Because even female reporters in this episode are asking Liv just about her appearance. They're not conscious of the fact that they are hurting themselves. They're perpetrating this hurtful stereotype and they're contributing to it. Uh, and it's hurting women like them. And I don't think they're doing it because it's intentional. They're just doing it because it's what they're used to, which I think is, is an important sort of concept to address. And I think... Liv and Maddie has addressed both of these kinds of conflicts. It's like Todd Stetson is aware he's hurting people's feelings when he does it. He likes it. He enjoys it. But I think it's important that that's not the only kind of antagonist we see. We see antagonists like this female reporter who 
isn't trying to hurt Liv, but she's just doing what she thinks is normal and is what's accepted in society. And she doesn't realize there's an error to her ways until Liv points it out. It's kind of like how Sydney to the Max addresses microaggressions, like uh, the teacher that, in that episode of Sydney to the Max, the teacher assigns the students uh, historical figures to research, and she ends up every student is assigned a historical figure that is of the same race as them. And she says, like, I wasn't trying to hurt you, I wasn't trying to profile you, but the students were saying it, it still does hurt, even if you may not have intended it that way or thought of it that way, it can still hurt. And that's why you need to think more before you do things like that. So yeah, I think it's important that they took both sides of that situation. And I'd like to point out that the female reporter here also played uh, Karen Kunkel in Hannah Montana. And I remember seeing her and be like, oh my gosh, it's Miss Kunkel, Tarragon. <laughs> uh, and even female fans, like in the live stream in the beginning, you see girls' names going by on the screen asking questions about about Liv and her appearance. And then again, the conversation changes. They have another live stream at the end. People, including girls, start asking more positive questions. That reflects back on them because they want to know things about Liv, like what charities she supports and stuff. They're looking to their idols for more inspiring things than just things like fashion. And that is going to have a positive impact on them, not just on Liv, but on them as well. It's It has a it impacts everyone involved and it impacts everyone involved positively. I think, yeah, the really important message I think we get here is to not just tolerate something just because it seems like it's it's the way things are and, and people just accept it as is. Just because that's the case doesn't mean it shouldn't change. And also, uh, of course, we've talked about this episode before because we talked about Kristen Bell being a guest star on our guest star episode, Guest Star Rooney. And uh, David did mention that there is a reporter whose name is Jacob Michaels from News Meets World. I don't remember if I caught that right away or if it was when I saw like John or someone post about it. But of course that is a reference to Michael Jacobs, who is the creator of Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, which again, big, girl and boy meets world fan so i love that just a just a little tidbit out there so that's ask her more rooney for you and finally wrapping things up with our season four feminism episode that is role model rooney so in this episode Liv and ruby and priya are shooting an episode of sing it louder and it's going to be inspired by an episode of the original sing it loud show where the girls and boys have a little mini car race the boys won in the original episode and it sounds like the boys are going to win again but Liv tells Zach that that isn't really fair and makes a deal with him that they have an actual race and if the girls win in real life, then they get to win in the episode. And Zach's logic behind this is because it's a car race and cars and racing are, you know, boy stuff. That's not girly stuff. The girls are gonna have a shoe car. Uh, so the message that this episode brings in and Liv says this pretty directly as Stephanie Einstein in the Sing It Louder episode within this episode that there's, there isn't girl stuff and boy stuff. There's just stuff. Anyone can like anything they want. It shouldn't matter if a boy likes something that's seen as girly, as a, if a girl likes something that's seen as boyish. Um, anyone can like whatever they want. It shouldn't really matter. Uh, not related to the feminism aspect, but I would like to throw out there. Uh, Evan Todd plays Zach, and I almost saw him in Beautiful, the Carol King musical. I saw that show a little over two, about two and a half years ago. And I'm looking through the playbill and, you know, I look at like what other things the cast has been in and I see Liv and Maddie and out loud I say, Liv and Maddie! And then I'm like, wait a minute, 
who is this guy? I feel like I know who this is. And then I think I, I figured out, oh my gosh, she has Zach and he was worked on Sing It Louder. Uh, but of course I had his understudy that night, uh, which is okay. As a theater loving person, we all know that like, you don't know who you're going to, I didn't even know he was in the show until I saw him in the playbill. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's kind of ironic that I almost saw him. And yeah, I mean, he's a pretty he's a pretty prolific Broadway person and knowing how often I see shows, maybe I'll see him in something else someday. And then I can tell him about this. <laughs> I can tell him about the podcast or whatever. Uh, maybe he can be on the podcast. Who knows? Yeah. I still have a playbill that has, it says live and Maddie in it. That's actually, I think that's like the one playbill of mine that I can't find, which is awfully ironic. Um, but I'm going to find it. I swear. I have like a stack of playbills downstairs. Okay, whatever, off topic. <laughs> so as far as the message of this episode and the feminism involved in this episode, I really like that we get to see Liv in charge of this, especially because even up to this point, like, yes, her again, her character has grown a lot since season one, but she still has more feminine interests. She still likes fashion and stuff. And, and she as a character proves that like liking fashion doesn't necessarily equate to only caring about fashion and being dumb and being superficial. You can like fashion and like acting and singing and also be a good caring person who cares about important things and who's smart and everything like that. And I think that's that's a message that Liv really embodied throughout the seasons. Yeah, I mean, she's not really into cars and racing and stuff like that, but she's trying to prove a point. And she has her super cute Rosie the Riveter outfit and uh, knows how to use power tools thanks to Andy, which of course makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, I like that she's kind of spearheading this movement uh, and kind of breaking out of her shell even more. I think this episode is kind of, I, I've, I think I've talked about how like Callie style is a, is a fascinating like passing of the torch because it starts to kind of push the focus more towards the younger characters like Ruby and Priya and the ki the kids of Booms like Val and Finch and, and more so Parker than just Joey. And I think this episode is a good example of that. Liv is kind of trying to help inspire the younger generation with kids like Ruby and Priya. And what's, what's really interesting, spoiler alert, the girls win the race, so they also win the race in Sing It Louder. Uh, it's almost kind of meta because what Liv is trying to do is trying to have Sing It Louder send a better message than Sing It Loud would have sent. And it's, again, it's kind of meta in the sense that Liv and Maddie is trying to send better messages than the shows that came before them may have sent. So I think that's really fascinating. One little thing I would like to mention about this episode is that I feel like the B plot is almost a little counteractive. This is a B plot in which Willow and Maddie are taking part in Quesadilla Joe's like pepper eating contest because when they look at the little sombreros on the wall, they none of them have girl names and they want to be the first girls to win. Uh, and they do finish the, the challenge, but then they realize that a lot of the names on the wall are gender, gender neutral names and that those could also be girls and they're still they're still proud of themselves and they have a good joint bam what that I very much enjoyed. Uh, but I feel like that was, I don't know, it, it kind of threw off balance the fact that Maddie and Willow would be oblivious to the fact that these could be gender neutral names. And, and I think it was just, it was just for the fun of the miscommunication, the misunderstanding. But I do think, I don't know, it, it, it is a little bit counteractive to the message of like, this doesn't need to be a girl or a boy thing. It can be either or both uh, when Maddie and Willow aren't remembering that 
there are names that are gender neutral. I don't know. It's it's a nitpick. It's not a huge deal. I still think that side plot is funny and I don't think it negates the A plot with Liv and Ruby and Priya. I think that plot is just as powerful, but it, it was something that I just thought I would mention. Now that we're wrapping things up, as far as like how I would rank these, again, I would say Rate is my number one. It's hard to say from there. I would probably put Brain at number four just because again, it's not tackling feminism as directly. But again, I don't think it was really trying to. I think it was more for Liv's character than just for girls in general, which I think was effective and perfectly fine. But for for the sake of this conversation, I think I would put it at number four. And as I've often said, I think as strong as season one was in its own right, I think the show grew and developed so much from there. So often it's hard to compare a season one episode to seasons two, three, and four. So... Uh, three and four, com- comparing Role Model and Ask Her More, that's that's hard because they're both very different messages, both very important messages, but very different. So it's hard to compare, really. I feel like just per- out of my personal enjoyment, not necessarily in the feminism sense, but just out of which episode I prefer overall, I'd probably say Ask Her More um, because I'd say season three is my favorite season. Oops. I'm going to probably talk about that in another later episode, but spoiler alert. And I mean, Josh is in it, obviously. Like, what, what am I What am I going to say, you know? Uh, and also, both of the B-plots crack me up. Like, uh, I think I've said, or maybe, I, maybe this is in the episode that's coming out next, which I swear I'm getting to. We're almost, we're so close. We're almost there. Um, that Joey's saying, well, there's a rotting corpse in my locker is, like, one of my favorite lines in the whole show. Because it's like, that's not really... Um, not exactly the type of line you'd expect to hear on Disney Channel. And I mean, you know how much I love Dump Truck and just that whole plot is just so wild. And I almost said chaotic. Is it the chaos episode? I mean, maybe we need to open that conversation up again. Uh, and then Maddie and us getting to see the inside of the Parker Tunnels for the very first time. And the all the little Easter eggs in there that I will, I'm sure, talk about in a later episode. Yeah, I think overall, just as far as episodes, I like Ask Her More a little bit more. I think as far as the season is concerned, Role Model is a little bit more fillery. I mean, I wouldn't say Ask Her More, I don't know if I would say it is or is not filler. I mean, again, it's. I think it's important as far as continuing to develop Josh as a character, even though that may not seem like the main focus. I do think it's effective in that sense. And I mean, Maddie's plot and literally the very ending of the episode with the Thai cookbook, that's crucial to what's to come. So yeah, I think I would just say I prefer that episode just a little bit, just as far as my personal taste. But it's it really is hard to judge any of these episodes against each other because they're all trying to tell different messages. If it were four episodes trying to sell, tell roughly the same message, that would be different. But uh, they're all connected to feminism, but in different ways and trying to tell different specific things. On that note, I think that concludes our conversation on the quote-unquote feminism episodes of Live and Maddie, which again are all very strong, powerful episodes, each in their own right, each telling unique messages from one another in different ways, but all equally important messages. And I'm just really grateful to this show and proud of the people that worked on it for telling such important messages, especially to our youth, to young girls who these messages will impact them and stay with them for the rest of their lives and what great inspiring things for them to grow up with. And I'm 
so happy that there is a generation that got to grow up with these wonderful messages and this wonderful show. Well, you know the drill. You can follow us at Retrospective Rooney on Instagram, Retro Rooney on Twitter, on Facebook. We are Retrospective Rooney, a Live and Maddie podcast. Give us a like and a follow there. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. Our homepage is anchor.fm slash Retrospective Rooney. You can get to all of our platforms from there and shout out to Anchor for helping us make our podcast and for sponsoring us. All right, the moment you've been waiting for. We will be back in two weeks with another new episode. That will be August 21st. And what do we have for you? We have not one, but two special guests. As two wise women once said, pink, 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 girls, 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 glitter, 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 twirls, twirls, twirls. Together forever, they're Linda and Heather, best friends. So you may be a little confused. We have already had Emmy and Shelby who played Linda and Heather in the show. But in case you didn't know, there are a real Linda and Heather, the namesake for Linda and Heather within the show, who are also co-executive producers of the show and writers. That is Linda Mathias and Heather McGillivray Myman. They are joining us on the next episode. We had so much fun. I am really excited for you guys to get to hear this interview. I did it a couple months ago. It's I've been holding on to these interviews for quite some time, but I'm really excited to put them out into the open and to share them with you. And there may be uh, some extra special guests in addition to the two of them on this episode. They may be uh, small and fuzzy and cute, and uh, but they're still related to Liv and Maddie. Uh, and it's not my cats. I didn't say they were cats. Who said they were cats? What? I, I don't know any cats. Uh, before I give it too much more away, let's wrap things up. Thank you all for listening. Please come back in two weeks for our awesome episode with Linda Mathias and Heather McGillivray-Myman, and we'll see y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.